He's right in front of me, and I can honestly tell him that I'm going to knock him spark out. Leaping right hand by the Prince. Ooh. And a hard left. And Kelly's down for the third time. Andrew, very welcome along to Off The Ball on Off The Ball, your weekly boxing show here on Off The Ball. I'm Ronan Mullen, joined as ever by Phil Egan and this week by our heavyweight boxing guru for a heavyweight week of action. It's Niall Kennedy. Niall, how are you? Good, yeah. All good. Um, it's a while since you were back in. We were recapping your unfortunate events yeah, yeah. Um, over in Massachusetts. But how are things at the moment? Good, yeah. Last procedure tomorrow, so hopefully we're back on the track. We were hoping to get out in December, but... We had a relapse in training, so we've had to have two more procedures on the back, but the last one tomorrow and then start rehab and try and get back at it. So I've been tipping away, I've been sparring and keeping trying to maintain fitness, but not to the level that you'd be liking, alright. But so the hope now is get this sorted, a couple of days rest and back at it and have a new strength conditioner coming on board and Try and come back bigger, faster, stronger, and one last throw at the roll of the dice, as they say. So, are you thinking like springtime for a comeback? March 14th, and confirmed on the Paddy's Day bill in Boston. So, it's been lucky for me. Um, I won my first title and the mass title uh, back in 2017. So, get back on that. It's always a big crowd, great atmosphere. So, I'm sure you'll have noticed the heavyweight division is pretty yeah. uh, exciting at the moment. Phil, are you pumped? I am. I was trying to think about the first Joshua and Ruiz Jr. fight and where it ranks and what's happened in 2019 because obviously we're coming to the end of the decade. Everyone's talking about their moments of the decade. But just looking at moments of the year, it's up there just for one of the the great moments of the year. One of those wow moments where it was the same night it was granted it was the early hours of the morning but it was the same night as the Champions League final mm. Katie Taylor had just beaten Delphine Pursoon you know AJ was making his US debut puts Ruiz Jr. down and you think yeah this like AJ's announced himself stateside and then things just escalated from there it was unbelievable it was just one of those moments when you're watching it think Andy kind of had told me off the next day for basically sending him a, a cryptic oh, no. text with holy shit what just happened so like he knows something happened yeah yeah but um yeah and no, it was it was crazy absolutely so it's hard not to be excited about this weekend because of what happened yeah and we've loads of great contributors for what is a heavyweight week andy lee as you said jet setting in california so we'll hear from him uh, former two-time world champion Paulie Malignaggi's on the show. Eric Donovan was great last night. We played some of that. And Dennis Hogan, who has a big fight of his own this week, uh, we're going to hear from him as well. But we may as well get stuck right into Joshua Ruiz, lads. And you mentioned the first fight already. Just a philosophical one to start. How does what happens this weekend affect your perspective on what happened in the first fight? I'd say possibly. I, I still think 
I know Eric maybe mentioned that he thought AJ was a manufactured boxer or something like that. Like the man's an Olympic champion. Um, he's a phenomenal amateur boxer. I I just think from the outset that he he was messing with his gum shields before the fight, mm. rolling them in his mouth. I think I said this the last time as well. He just he did not look right going yeah. into the ring and like people saying that he can't think on his own. The man is a absolute he's a very articulate, very intelligent fella. Like, you know, he he can definitely think on his own. I just think there was a panic mode, something had happened and I think that all came from underestimating Ruiz. He was a replacement for Miller yeah. and you know, there was I think he looked past him maybe and I'm not saying that he's he's not that type of a person. But I think that could have happened and Louise's appearance maybe filled into it and yeah. stuff like that. But this fight like this, I'm not saying it's make or break because it's at this at the top level of, of heavyweight boxing. But the winner, like the winner is the king and well, the loser, if Joshua loses again, he's still making 80 million. Yeah, but, exactly. But the, win- the winner, like that opens up everything. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. For like, for Ruiz, it's already changed his life, and it'll be it'll be interesting to see if it's the same hunger in Ruiz as it was the first day as well. Yeah, because just going back to the question, like in the mainstream, it's perceived that you know Joshua took it easy, Ruiz caught him on the hop, but like it's since in the build up to the fight, it's become more and more prevalent that people are picking Ruiz to do it again. So if mm. Ruiz goes in and basically does the job again or does a better job. We can't consider the first fight to be a fluke or an upset. It's like one of these is a better fight than the other. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I agree with you. And on the other side of the coin now is if Joshua stops him early, then people will discredit some of what Ruiz did in the, the first fight and they'll say it was more down to a lack of focus from Joshua rather than a brilliant performance from Ruiz, which it was a bit of both, I think, mm. where... Ruiz was put down for the first time in his career and he came out swinging and then turns the fight around. So, like, look what happened when Joshua was put down mm. the, the first time in his career. He, he came back and he, he beat Klitschko. But just the way Ruiz uh, reacted after, after getting knocked down and um, it, it, just listening to him in the build-up to this fight, he's saying, like, you know, it was a life-changing night, but it's just the start of it. He's saying all the right things, but whether he can actually, whether he believes that or not. And mm. it was a nice position for him to be in where he was a late replacement, went in under the radar. Mm. Now he's going in as the champion. There's more pressure on him. There's pressure on Joshua as well. Don't get me wrong, but I think maybe the defeat has completely sharpened the focus of of Joshua. And yeah, he, he wouldn't admit probably that maybe in the aftermath of Saturday's fight, if Joshua wins, he might come out and say, look, I took this guy for granted the first time around. Mm. Or something happened. There was so many rumours mm. about something happening in the changing room. Maybe yeah. something did happen. And to his credit, he didn't come out and make excuses. He took his loss like a man, like, you know. And, but it's like it just sets up an unbelievable weekend. Yeah. It's almost the feeling the night of the fight that it's almost as if Joshua took the defeat too well, from mm. what I remember. Even when... He was up on his feet and he got counted out. It was like he didn't really want to continue. And even afterwards, people criticised him for being for smiling in the ring after and saying he should be devastated. I'm sure he was devastated, but he, was. he probably didn't want to they're, show it. They're saying he quit as well. And, yeah. and Ruiz said on the 
what's that the gloves are off. The gloves are off that he felt that he quit. Rui said it with a big smile on his face. Yeah, he's yeah. such a nice man. He never stops smiling. <laughs> yeah, no, he I, can't. Even when he's given a dig, he's like really charming. Yeah. <laughs> no, I like I. Did he quit or was there something wrong? Do you know what I mean? Like there definitely it wasn't. Like he got he got badly hurt and still am I. Yeah. <clears throat> and recovered. And Klitschko. Yeah. And Klitschko. So his his Leroy don't have to be questioned really. Like do you know what I mean? So. Did he quit? I just think there was something massively wrong, and yeah. I think if the even if he loses this weekend, he might come out and say better man won again. But the first day something happened. I I don't. I personally don't think he loses. And you've had first hand experience of him in the gym, Niall. Is he always switched on? What's he like yeah. as a trainer? I arrived. I was over in Sheffield, and I was on on my own and. I was early the second day for sparring because I literally flew back and forth because the little lad was still in hospital. And, um, we arrived, I was there. We were supposed to spar at one o'clock. I was in the centre of excellence or whatever it is in Sheffield. I was there at half eleven. I wandered up to the gym just to have a look at it, sort of get me bearings of the place and here he was taping up already and stretching him on. Like, he's meticulous, he's... He is a gentleman. Ruiz comes across as a gentleman, like, but as a trainer, like, what well, he he goes to every length, like, you know. And he's after in that gloves are off, like he said that he got the option of changing trainers, mm-hmm. starting everything afresh again, or adding to what he had, and that's what he's done. He's brought in Angelo. I can't think of his name. Fernandez. Something like that. He's he's a pads man from London. Everyone's raving about him. He has small heavyweights in. He brought in a lad, Mayhem Motum, from America. He's carbon copy of Ruiz in size now. Ability-wise, is different. Like people, I think people forget. Like Ruiz was probably robbed by Parker. Like yeah, well, it was very close. But yeah, yeah. I thought a lot of people thought Ruiz won that fight. And he so technically he was he felt he was an unbeaten fighter going into that fight. As an amateur, I think he only ever lost five fights. You know, so he was—he's a high level. But questioning—I—I've never seen Ruiz train, but I couldn't question AJ's preparations. Like he's meticulous. And you mentioned McCracken, and that was a huge storyline. I think, in fairness, I did say it um, after the fight that I wasn't that impressed with McCracken's instructions. He was giving him quite basic instructions mm. and he should have been giving him more specific things to get him out of trouble and a lot of people have been making fun of Joshua that he needed to know what to do but when you're in the, that fire I can only imagine you need something to bail you out and if, if your coach can give you a clear tactic to get you on the right road it's a, it's a beneficial thing so maybe there's a little bit of pressure on McCracken I think because make no bones about it he was out coached by Manny Robles definitely, on the yeah. night like definitely and he's he is he's the high performance director for English boxing, um, he stuck to amateur sort of instructions in the sense that he wanted him to keep his distance. But if you if you break down his instructions, if Joshua was able to follow through on what he said, it would have got him out of trouble. It would have. Yeah, but it, I, like I'm speaking as a non-fighter, but you can probably you obviously know better. But he's telling him to like close the distance, but or like keep the distance. Yeah. That's very easier said than done, isn't it? Oh, it is, yeah. Especially when you have a small, explosive heavyweight that's coming in, bobbing and weaving. But, but break it down. If, if like, Joshua kept the distance early, 
as everyone would in a fight against a smaller man. Like a good smaller man is horrible to fight for a big man. Like, and he kept the distance really well and he dropped him. Yeah. And it just looked like, all right, this is going to be another KO. And next thing he got sort of brought in, the distance closed, and Ruiz just said, right, I'm going for this. Like. And he did. And, and then panic, definitely panic set in. And whatever had happened pre the fight, because it definitely, and, and I don't know, I haven't been talking to him, but they're definitely, like I seen him sparring, and he was only sparring me, and he was more alert the day he was sparring me than he was before that Ruiz fight. There was something very wrong. I, Like, you get your gum shields moulded, all of us do, right? And you don't mess with your gum shields, yeah. and he was flicking them around in his mouth before the fight. I just thought it was very strange. Yeah, it, it's something will come out with down the line. I think over the stakes are very different. Phil, the first time around, it felt like right. Wilders after knocking out Brazil in spectacular fashion days earlier, and Joshua probably felt right. I need to put on a show here. So when he knocked Ruiz down, he was like, right, I'm going to finish this. If that happens again, he's going to get back on his jab and yeah. try and keep. The, he, this is all about the W. It doesn't matter yeah. how it comes. Yeah, and you could see that's kind of how I see it playing out. Where I think he definitely has it. The capability, obviously, to stop Ruiz, but there will be a bit of caution there because he'd be thinking back to how things ended in the first fight. So, if he does get the the early knockdown, you now he's not going to go in. I wouldn't say he was reckless. He wasn't that reckless. No. I just think he he's just so used to seeing a hurt fighter. Right, I'm going to close the show. Yeah, and it. Matt, Chris Mannix, it's actually quite funny if you watch the zone commentary back. He's like. Josh was the best finisher in boxing. Watch this. And then as soon as he says that, he's lands the left hook. <laughs> That's why it was such an amazing fight, just for that moment where you just presume that Joshua was going to finish it and then Ruiz comes out and does that. So Joshua is a good finisher. Yeah. Mm. And beyond, me and Phil just said it there, about jabbing and keeping a distance sort of akin to the Parker performance. Um, what technical adjustments would you like to see him do to win this fight? He... He has to keep the distance which you said there and if it's a thing that Ruiz comes in, tie him up. Yeah. Do you know, don't let him throw. Style. Like yeah, and like the shot that you're on about there, that left hook that left hook wasn't on the chin, it was bang on the top of the head, yeah. like you know, so cover like protect yourself, keep your hands that little bit higher, ride it and like we're talking about someone that is meticulous, so I know he'll have, he'll have watched that. Like, and I know that he's added to his bow in it. But I'm sort of like Manny Robles, like what you say, he out coached McCracken, so he's going to have him. The other man should be better, you'd imagine. But jo- definitely, Joshua has to distance. And I know you said it was simple instructions, mm. but if he keeps it at distance, his power. If his punches are a little bit quicker this time, they were sort of. He was a little bit robotic in his approach last time, so he needs to. Like he's such a big man, he's muscle bound anyway that he doesn't need to load up on his shots. And looking at his pad work that he's doing with this new pad man, he he looks to be concentrating a lot on that right uppercut left hook. So I think he's hoping that Ruiz will continue to try it come in low and Ruiz for a small man even comes in lower than that try and take him up with the right uppercut and catch him with a left hook yeah yeah, the right uppercut is the, the shot that did Klitschko. on Klitschko so 
obviously a much bigger man. But yeah. you just the, the feeling I have is just that Joshua is the one that can improve more, mm. and then you throw in what the, the extra baggage it's going to have for Ruiz Junior. Um, you know, obviously he's saying in the build up that it's not, but I just think he wouldn't be human if it didn't affect him. Mm. With the diamond ring on his hand, yeah, every, like everything, like just the attention that he's got, and you know, he's now a household name. Everyone knows who Andy Ruiz Jr. is. Like bo- boxing people knew who he was, but now a casual sports fan knows who Andy Ruiz Jr. is, and that uh, that attention that he he gets now. So, and it'll be interesting to see what weight. Joshua is. There's talk that he's a lot lighter. I can't see how he can be that light. He looks slimmer in the face, certainly, yeah. but that doesn't necessarily... He could have distributed his weight differently. Yeah. He doesn't look as chiselled in the sense that he, his... Mo- I'd say the man, I'd say he couldn't not look well built. Yeah, like, yeah. But but he does look a little bit more not as stiff-looking. So I'd be hoping that will show that he's going to be a little bit looser and a little bit quicker. You look at his contemporaries in the heavyweight division, top 10, there's not many with that physique that he has. No. Wilder hasn't. Like Wilder no. is very light. Wilder comes in barely 16 stone. Yeah. Oh, listen, Skinny I, we were talking legs. about him last week. I just don't know. We just couldn't work out where the power comes from, Lionel. Oh, t- he, got, he didn't win one second of that <laughs> fight. Like, or, it was just once, not one second. And I was there raging because I kept saying to myself, I'm definitely going to put money on Ortiz. I think he schools him again. And he was schooling him. I was there thinking, oh no, next thing just bang. Yeah. But it's like what he says, like they have they have to perform to their best for 12 rounds, for three minutes, for 12 rounds. He only needs one second yeah. in the fight. And that is proof. Like It's just it's ridiculous. Kind of equivalent to parking the bus as a football team, knowing that... Yeah. Hit them on the break. You're trying to hit them on the break and eventually the better team are going to breakthrough and the golden snitch fellas we spoke about yeah. last week um, what was I going to say so you mentioned it's an interesting point because it seems to come up every week now about this shot on the temple or like scrambling your equilibrium mm. like can you kind of frame what that's like as opposed to taking an a flush shot yeah you'd it's actually prefer to take a normal shot wouldn't you a shot on the chin you can start to see coming or, but like I, I remember he, he won the Super heavy is that in, in the amateurs this year? Kenny Agabau, he caught me. I, I boxed him in a Leinster senior final the afternoon after my Christmas party with the guards, right? And I bet him. And I boxed him in an All Ireland senior elite semi final. And I'm not saying I took him for granted, but I bet him the morning after a Christmas party, yeah. thinking, right, I'll go in and box this lad. And like that, he caught me with a shot in the back of the head. And I felt fine. Everything was clear, but my legs were gone. I got stopped and he won it and he got bet in the final, I think. But he, um, like, it's just, it's a shot to nothing that you can't really defend on unless you keep your hands really high. And it's like, you could have the best, ch- I, I think, touch wood, I think have a reasonable chin. But it's just that it's the only time that I've ever actually not known what was going on in the boxing yeah. room. Like, you know, my head was clear, but my legs wouldn't do what my brain was telling it to do. Like, you know, it's it's a strange shot. How do you defend against it? But it's definitely the shot that caught Joshua as well. Like, and his mm. legs went bambiish, and it's did a mic on with that left hook as well, didn't it? 
You yeah. caught him bang on the chin, though. It's, yeah. Was it? Yeah. yeah so. so, I don't know. He is susceptible to that shot. I think. He has, and, he, and he, he will land again on Saturday. It's whether he can. Uh, That's it. Like so, how much emphasis are they going to put on his right hand in training, as in Joshua's right Keeping hand? High. Yeah. Like how how much training does it take to get yourself into the the process of actually just making sure that becomes a natural thing? It's, it's repetition. Yeah. I remember my best win was Santos, and I I used to go home every day with a dead shoulder just from jab, 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 mm. jab, and it was just repetition. It was the he was he was smaller. I used to keep the distance. It was just jab, 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 and I'd imagine everything Joshua is doing is bang, hands high, bang, hands high, and it's just repetition. And it, I I believe it'll work. I don't think. I don't think he was fooled. It was a phenomenal performance, but that is like distance, that right uppercut, his natural power. But his defense, I'm not saying it was sloppy, but his hands were high, but they were there. So, I mean, we're going to talk about Dennis Hogan's opponent later on the line, but he has phenomenal defense. Do you know what I mean? Like, so it all comes down to like Mayweather never got hit with a clean shot, he rolled everything. You know what I mean? Yeah. Ha- and caught everything up high, even stopped that shot. So he's going to have to have prepared for that as well. Yeah. And you've mentioned Olympic champion and everything, but I've been listening to interviews with him and he's been talking about dedicating more time to the boxing gym and less to his physique and yeah. all the road work and things. But is that not a bit foolhardy in the sense that it's his unbelievable athleticism and power that's got him here? And to be trying to turn himself into Pernell Whitaker or something in six months. Yeah, there's no point in changing the wheel, as to say, either, no. but... Like, of course, he has to work on specific yeah. things, but... Do you, do you believe everything you say in interviews, either? Like, he, he's being interviewed so much about the defeat. Yeah. Like, he has to give a different answer the odd time, like, mm. you know what I mean? So I'd say he's just there saying, I want to say this now. Yeah, like, but is know? there no harm in that, though? Trying to... <laughs> of course, but I'm just saying, like... scale almost. Yeah, but... I don't think it's even upscale. I think what he meant by it is that he probably had concentrated too much on weightlifting, mm. too much on... I'm not sure if he does a massive amount of road work, but he concentrated on a lot. Like, his physique is crazy, and he does look a little bit softer this time. So maybe, like, the way he said it, actually, is that in the gym and doing road work, and then boxing, if you split him up and made him a part-time boxer so that he's trying to be a full-time boxer now, yeah. but still doing the other things. So the only thing you're going, you're going to imagine that his his fitness is better, but you're just going to have to pray that he hasn't fatigued now, that he hasn't overdone it, maybe yeah, in panic yeah. mode as well. Like, so. yeah. It's such a fascinating fight. Like He's talking about muscle memory, and he's never going to have the muscle memory of Andy Ruiz, who's boxing since he was six, or Tyson Fury, who's boxing mm. since he was out of the cart, basically. So... Yeah. Um, I think he's got unbelievable attributes that those lads don't have and he should be leaning on them more his strength like exactly like you know hammer the hammer as people say yeah. like, and if he does that I think he'll win but Ruiz just the last point on this there's so much we could talk about it all day yeah. but um, Ruiz is he just going to come in and do the same thing again Niall or I think he only knows one way to fight and I'm not saying that he's a naive boxer but if you're fighting a big man you can only really fight him one way and the way he does it is phenomenal. So why would you change it? So they have a brilliant. He Manny Robles is 
the rave about him, like Michael Conlon all out there with, with him. He was over the WSB team at the time. And he's a brilliant coach. Wasn't Jason with him for a while yeah. as well? I think the issue, and it's actually similar to McCracken, where he's so many fighters to handle yeah. that. That's why the lads came home, I think, as well. That, that's probably why it's no harm that Joshua got another one-on-one guy in to mm. just do those little basics with. Exactly, yeah. But I, like, why would you change your style? His hands is what surprised so many people. The man, the speed of them. Yeah. Oh, he's, he's such an exciting. Like, uh, come what may, he's going to be a fixture in this division for the next yeah. five years anyway. So it's ex- he's an exciting ingredient that we didn't have twelve months ago almost. So yeah, and also as well, if Joshua was to lose, people might think, "Oh, well, wh- where does he go? Like, what does he do?" But it just means he's under more pressure to take out one of the bigger names, mm. e- like even bigger than Ruiz Junior. That. He might be pressured into taking on a Wilder or a Fury sooner than he wanted, which yeah. is great news for for boxing for fans. Boxing yeah. fans, we get to see these fights. This time next week, I don't know what we're going to talk about. It could be the ring in Saudi Arabia, or it could be it could be anything. No, so no. That, that's a mad. Mike Goodall is doing that. Huh? Mike Goodall has put the ring in, so no, we'd be fine. Then. We'd be fine. It's, fine. Like, there is a few little things though. Come on, obviously fun. nine o'clock is going to be the start time for us. Watching straight it. after the Manchester Derby. Yeah, which is good. So, um, which is going to be more brutal. <laughs> I don't know. I'm a Man United fan, so we won't talk about that. <laughs> then it's going to be about midnight local time. So they're saying it could be cold. Yeah, it's going to be um, breezy anyway. Yeah. The atmosphere. What's the atmosphere going to be like? I'd say decent because it's a small venue. Small venue yeah. Yeah. You're well, not going to get your 80,000 like, no. Anthony Joshua screaming fans. Yeah, remember the Grove Smith fight where they were cheering every single punch so yeah. it could be it kind of be like a World Cup in a country that's not that familiar yeah. with football so I don't know it's it's something different you know the mm. whatever but the ethics of fighting in Saudi Arabia safe to say we're not on board with that but this fight had to happen somewhere and yeah I mean I, we are. Yeah, I wasn't around obviously for the rumble in the jungle like yeah but like, financially, I think it's it doesn't, financial, isn't the, it? Uh, the political motivations of Zaire around that time don't yeah. get brought up all that often now because the fight was so historic. So hopefully... Like I, I can imagine now in 25 years or 30 years listening to a documentary about the, the clash in the dunes and... Um, the clash in the dunes, by the way. If anyone has a better name for this show, that's a horrific name. That's terrible. not going to go down in the history or the annals of history, is it? No. Come on. Rowdy and Saudi has been taken by Smith and Groves, but someone out there surely has a better suggestion. So hashtag off the brawl if you've got something. Yeah, could be better. But they'll be doing a documentary about how, yeah, at the time, Eddie Hearn was criticised for bringing this fight to Saudi Arabia. Um, and, you know, I agree with people that say, like, as you mentioned there about the ethics of, of the country, mm. Eddie Hearn is just looking purely from a financial point of view. And... You know, Anthony Joshua, Andy Ruiz Jr. are making more money out of this fight than they would have if it had been in Cardiff. Yeah, and people so. are going to say it's a cash out if Joshua doesn't win. He's got another whatever eighty million at least. So, and sport at the elite level, money talks. And boxers, listen, Saudi Arabia. I could talk about that as a whole other issue. But if anyone deserves to make as much money in this in any sport as possible, it's, it's fighters who are putting their lives on the line for themselves and their families. So. I'm not begrudging the lads getting any money from any way they can get it. Um, I'll get predictions in a second. I think I kind of an inkling of what ways are leading. But Eric Donovan was on last night, and these were his thoughts, speaking to Joe on Off the Ball. If you look at the last four guys that Joshua has been in the ring with, Povetkin, Parker, Takam, Klitschko, you know, 
big man, mm. you know. And next minute he's in against a small, you know, what's a he's six foot two, you know. Um, he's got a height advantage of four inches over. He's got four inches of him, yeah. but like, it wouldn't be unusual either to be hurt in sparring. You know, that's it's heavyweight boxing. It's happened yeah. to him before, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. It's quite, you're going to get but, hurt. But the point was maybe he'd been knocked out and he wasn't quite recovered. I heard the, heard the reports that he was knocked out as well, and if he was, then like that definitely would have a some sort of an impact, maybe psychologically. Like, but I did noticed from the very opening round um, I thought the tactics from Ruiz were spot on Joshua went straight onto the back foot as he does anyway he tries to like you know keep it at, at arm's length he wants to have a look and the commentary team were kind of like Joshua's just having a look at his guy sizing him up but I actually felt that Joshua wasn't in control from the opening round Ruiz was in control he was taking the centre of the ring and he was walking around his boxing IQ was very very high Ruiz he actually was orchestrating the fight. He had Joshua, he was, he was more or less leading him around the ring. And this all expends energy. Mm. Joshua's on the back foot, you know, he's staying out of trouble, but he's on the back foot constantly. Mm. And, um, and what is it that and Ruiz, Ruiz is orchestrating it. So orchestrating is an interesting word. What is it that Ruiz is doing that's enabling him to orchestrate it? He's intelligently, he's, he's, it's called aggressive intelligence, aggressive intelligence, you know. Um, he's being aggressive uh, and he's doing it in a very intelligent way by um, pressing, by forcing the initiative, but not expending energy. Okay. The person on the back foot is retreating, and they're having to think more. So they're expending the more energy than the person on the front foot. Mm. Um, and is Joshua regarded as an intelligent fighter in the same way? He's in t he is intelligent, but I don't think he's as intelligent in the, sen in, in the kind of natural naturally born boxer like Tyson Fury or Ruiz I would put Ruiz in the same bracket as Tyson Fury they just have something you cannot teach where Joshua joined boxing I think it was 18 years old you know so had a lot of attributes and abilities that that kind of set him up to be um, developed from there on in um, and in some ways he looks like a manufactured mm type fighter as opposed to a natural naturally born gifted elusive type fighter like Ruiz or Tyson Fury um, and that's what um, went against him in this fight because he's so robust and so robotic and even f even for what he has achieved has been unbelievable as well and he is an incredible athlete there's, like he's an unbelievable athlete in terms but there's for what he has in strength and robust and physique and that type of stuff, he lacks in other areas like in elusivity and agility and, you know, Andy Ruiz had these in abundance. And even when Ruiz got hit by Joshua, in the f and, and probably an element of Joshua underestimating him too, yeah. in the third round when Joshua did, did let go, caught him with the left hook and put, he put uh, Ruiz on his backside. Mm. Ruiz had this look, even on the ground, as a guy that was defeated, down, but not out. You could tell, even the look in his face, he was disappointed with himself for getting caught. Yeah. But he wasn't hurt. He wasn't discombobulated or anything like that. Um, and what did he do when he got up? He didn't retreat. He straight back on him. Straight back on him and stuck it on him mm. and actually caught Joshua then. And so, so people who've looked at this fight or, or even just looked at the two physiques mm. and thought to themselves, well this was, maybe there was something off with Joshua and mm. like your man, okay, look, he's got skills, but this was like a one-off thing. This ain't happening again. That is, to misread it in your opinion, Ruiz is a serious operator. Oh, without a doubt. Joshua had 22 wins. 22, one of those wins were knockouts. 
The only one he didn't knock out was Joseph Parker. He beat Joseph Parker on a wide points decision. Uh, but, like I said, you think Joshua knocked out Klitschko, knocked out Povetkin, mm. knocked out uh, Dylan White, knocked out T- Carlos Takam, knocked all these guys out. Yeah. Dominic Brazil, he didn't knock out Parker. And Parker lost, or uh, Ruiz, Andy Ruiz lost to Parker only a few fights before the Joshua won in a, a very, very close time posi- type, uh, points decision, majority decision. Yeah. So he ran Parker very close as well. So he had to be respected. And his record as well is unbelievable. 33 wins himself and 22 of those are knockouts. Yeah. So that, you know, that has to account for something. Yeah. Uh, but I, I do think they overlooked him a little bit. Yeah. Um, but here, it was great to see because I looked at it again today from the, for the purpose of analysis, like to come in and have this chat. And even looking back, I know hindsight is great now, but you can actually see the determination in his eyes, the hunger. There was no stopping him. Because even in the seventh round when he done him, Joshua threw his best punch for probably three or four rounds, landed a cracking left hook on Ruiz's chin. And Ruiz's response was, to open up, it was almost like Joshua just walking the beast, mm. and he 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 retaliated with a non-slot that just put Joshua over. And for that moment, in that split second when Joshua caught him with that hook, yeah. Joshua looked to be—you could see it in his eyes—he looked to be like, "Oh, I have this guy," but no, backfired on him straight away. Joshua has said that he's adopted a prison mindset. <laughs> he spent his 30th birthday in digs in Sheffield. He could out salt. He's taken this all very seriously. You mentioned him being almost muscle-bound. He's slimmed down. He's a smaller man now. He looks less, less boxy almost. So, yeah. so maybe that's a good thing. But he said he has watched the fight back. It's interesting. You talk about watching the fight back today. He said he's watched the fight back literally dozens of times in slow motion. So I'm really curious to see what's he going to see and what's he going to do differently? Say Ruiz is thinking to himself, well, that worked well the last time. I'm going to, as you've described it, orchestrate things from the middle of the ring, put this guy in the back foot. What's Joshua going to come up with this time around, I wonder? Well, I don't think Joshua can adapt to a different style than what he, all, what he, what he no- normally has. That's just him now. He's just a, yeah, Joshua is a kind of a, he's an upright type of fighter, Good jab, very good jab. Tries to keep his distance. He's not a he's not a forward fighter. He's not a, he's not an attacker. Yeah, um, he has an eight inch uh, reach. Yeah, on he's Ruiz, a brilliant reach. So he should be able to keep yeah, an arm's length. He literally. should. He should. Yeah. In fairness, like that would be a very important a tactic if I was his coach. The jab, the jab has got to be uh, almost like a fencer. You know, uh, c- continually keep it out there, keep it out there, keep it on his face, on his head. Even if you're not hitting him with it, just keep it there to keep him thinking. Yeah. Um, because when Ruiz gets in, you see the speed of his hands. Unbelievable. What's really interesting, I was looking at the corner work mm. uh, from Joshua's uh, coach, uh, Rob McCracken. Yeah. Um, in the corner, like I think it was after the third round, uh, the first thing Joshua said to him, even though McCracken was talking and, and giving advice, Joshua said, uh, what shot did he catch me with? Wow. You know? Uh, so that's serious. That's where his head was at. He, does, you, he you, wasn't listening to... Yeah, go on. You, well, you look, you look at Ruiz and you think, well, 
he doesn't. He obviously looks how he looks, and we can all be superficial about that. But you would think, well, Joshua should tire this guy out and move around the ring. Yeah. Now I don't know if that you know fitness is can be deceptive. Yeah. Uh, but two, the hand speed. Like so, you're saying he said what ha- what what shot did he catch me with? Yeah. That can't be normal to come across that kind of speed from. Like, are we talking exceptional exceptional hand speed? Here? Yeah, very 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 fast hand speed. One of the fastest like heavyweights out there at the moment. You know, um, without a doubt. Um, and. Yeah, and this was a pattern that went on between the rounds. So, like, it's like um, McCracken was was speaking to Josh Joshua. Joshua wasn't really listening to what he was saying, mm. but Joshua was thinking about these. Was the questions Joshua was asking mm. in the in the next round or one or two rounds after? Was it a hook? He asked. Was it a hook? Then after that, it was um, he was asking his coach. What will Ruiz come out and do then in the next round? I remember that. Yeah. What will he come out and do? It was incredible. Yeah. Like, here's an so Olympic out, champion. Work it out yourself. Yeah. Here's an Olympic yeah. champion, a unified heavyweight champion, who can't think for himself. In this particular fight, I'm not saying I don't know about the rest, but he can't think. You have to have your own instinct. Mm. You have to have your own intuition. Do you know, you have yes, to yes, know. Yes. You have to know what to be able to do. He, he sounded like a child when he said it. There you go. He did. There he was you like, go. Like, what, what do I do? What's, yes. what's happening? What does, yes. What's he going to Completely do? Completely looking for reassurance. And I know that it is, as a boxer, you're never more vulnerable in the ring, mm. especially when you're under the cosh and things are not going your way. You know, it's a scary place. It's a scary place. And you do need reassurance. Mm. But it just looked like very early on, this is the kind of guy... It looked like he was looking for it from the from the start, from the very very start. Mm. And the last thing was, um, uh, what shots will I catch him with? Yeah, he, he was uh, he he did not know what to do. He was lost. He was lost. And at the end, I think it was of the fourth or fifth round, um, Joshua was walking um, walking around the ring. He was spent. He had no energy left. Um, and just I I think it was uh, there was something that Andy Ruiz did was was just really special, and I like to see it. Um, of all of Joshua's opponents in the past, and they're good, Pavetkin, Olympic champion, you know, Klitschko, another Olympic champion, they all lacked something, which is a desire and in, and in, an intent to win, because they had Joshua under the cosh. Mm. Even Pavetkin had Joshua at one stage. Takum caused them, tro- you know, trouble too. But they never showed any intent. Mm. Ruiz was like a dog with a bone. He was not letting go. When he seen Joshua hurt, he jumped on him and. Near the end of the third round, first of all, Joshua knocks Ruiz. Ruiz gets up and knocks Joshua. Things kind of settle down for a minute, and there's about 10 seconds left at the end of the third round. And Ruiz portrays like he's just, he's had enough, he's going away for the bell. Joshua believes him, kind of lacks a daisy himself, and Ruiz is in like a light, and smacks him mm. this is brilliant this mm. is high level this is a talk about boxing IQ mm. this is clever this is smart and this shows um, how intelligent and how you know how tactically sound yes. Ruiz was and because he flattened Joshua yeah. at the end of that round and that's kind of a fascinating picture you, you paint of the world heavyweight champion with three belts turning around to his coach and saying what shots do I have to throw to catch him mm. so is it possible in your opinion for the coach to say well Based on what I can see, I think if you throw right hook, faint first right hook, that will catch him. If as a boxer you don't see that yourself and you're just doing it almost in the blind faith of, well, I'm going to faint and throw the right hook, mm. is it possible to really execute it properly then? Do you almost need to see the shot yourself to throw it? Or ca- can he rely on his coach mm. to go, 
do this, this and this, and that should work for you. Yeah, sometimes in the corner you just need simple instructions. Uh, Joshua's coach was trying to keep it simple. He was just trying to say, look, Joshua, we can win this fight. We can win this fight. We just have to stick to the simple. Get back to your jab, throw one-two every now and then. Mm. Back to your jab, one-two. Now, there's nothing more simple than that. Very good advice. It's good enough advice, yeah. but at the same time, he was trying to, like, trying to show Joshua or tell Joshua that, you know, t- that we can do this. Mm. Trying to get him to believe. Mm. It's, that's, that's your number one priority in the corner as well, is to get your boxer to believe. Because if your boxer doesn't believe, mm. and at that, at that time, mm. it looked like Joshua didn't believe anymore. Yeah. And it, it, you know, listening to you now, it, the, the quote from him of saying, I've watched this fight back yeah. dozens of times in slow motion, yeah. takes on an extra resonance. It's like There's, he's trying to go back and see yeah. what, what happened. Yeah. So, I, w- I mean, it'll be, it'll be really interesting to see if he sees mm. the same patterns from Ruiz again. Yeah. To uh, get a prediction from you then, this sounds, I mean, look, Joshua's career is kind of on the line in it some is. respects here. Um, some I, res- I don't the know. The level he's operating Yeah, on, probably like his, his, what would you say, his legacy or something in, that, in terms of like, he's a chance to redeem himself. He is, oh, he'll always be the unified world champion, yeah. Olympic champion. He can't take these things away from him. If he loses again, will he fight again? Yeah, he'll fight again. There's fight, big fight. Yeah. Fight Ruiz again though. Um, not sure about that. If he wins, I'd say it might have a third. F- if Ruiz wins, or Josh- if Joshua wins, there could be a He's trilogy. There, yeah. um, I think if Ruiz wins, there might Joshua might need to look a different route, like Tyson Fury, uh, Wilder. These are they're still big fights yes. for him. Yes. Um, but it depends on the fashion he gets put away. Now he got put away in pretty dramatic fashion the last time. Like he was really discombobulated. He was he didn't know where he was. He didn't know where he was in the corner. Um, and that was a mixture of power and speed from Ruiz, like, you know, coming at him, like, like Joshua, what did he hit me with? Yeah. You know, that just explains the speed. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know, but I, What's prediction, What's prediction, yeah, What's I know you're happen? looking for a prediction. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, I love talking to you, but as yeah. ever, the clock is against us when we right. do, so. Prediction. What are we, it, I think Ruiz again. Wow. I think Ruiz again, because I think Ruiz took Joshua's best. And you know what? He looked at him and came back. Mm. The only thing that I think could go against Ruiz is how much hunger is there this time. He's the champion now. He's a lot of fame, a lot of glory, a lot of money. Mm. Sometimes that can have... You don't know wh- how that changes a person's life. You'd like to think he's still new to it all, to think, God, I'm really hungry not to give this up just yet. I would like to think that. And I think he, he has a good coach as well. And he has, um, he has, you know, he might have good people around him. And he seems like a humble guy and a really nice guy. He's lost uh, a little bit of weight. Yeah, which is no harm. But I don't think he needs to go too dramatic, like, you know, because, um, you know, it, it's helping him. It's helping him in a lot of ways. There's a lot of power behind what he does, you know. He still has that. Did you, see the, did you ever see the training videos of him running through the ladder and jumping over the hurdles before the Joshua fight? You should check it out. No, he I believe he's like a life lightweight. Is he really? Yeah. Because he only had five weeks' notice for that, which explained his yeah. conditioning a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, he should tighten up a little bit, but not too much. But um, yeah, I just think if 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 he has this, if he has the, even the same desire mm. from the first fight, he, he he should he should be able to do Joshua again. I think. Dang I just it. don't wow. think. I just presumed Joshua was going to win this fight again. Do you? Oh, well, no, yeah. no, sorry. I had just uh, listen. I know a, a, a millionth of what you know about boxing. No, I know. Here. Yeah, but it just any time an eleven to one underdog yeah. catches the favorite, mm. and then there's rumors the favorite wasn't right. In any sport, you say, well, the favorite will get him the next time. Yeah. So. I think Andy Ruiz is a very, very, very clever, intelligent boxer. Yeah. Not only that, he has the skills and the ability to back it up. He's already done it once. I think he can do it again, and I will not be surprised. But if Joshua does him, mm. 
I'll also be like, no, I tell you what, I'll be impressed with Joshua. I said, wow, well done, what a comeback, fair play to you. Uh, but I just don't know if he has it in him. So Eric Donovan, lads, he says, repeat for Andy Ruiz. Phil, I'm going to start with you. We picked Joshua for the first one. What are you going yeah, for this time? Yeah, I went, I went Joshua early stoppage, and I remember... You were so right. Ah, I was... You see, like when you get a prediction right and you get it really right, mm. as in like almost the round, you know, you, it's hard not to be smug. <laughs> <laughs> but then, when obviously it turns, so I, I think I don't know if he'll stop him early because I think if the same thing happens, I don't think he'll go in the way he did. So I wouldn't be surprised if it's a if Joshua maybe gets a stoppage around the seventh or eighth round. He just, you know, eventually he, but do you know what? He could be put down as well himself. <laughs> There's going to be twists and turns. So I'm just, excited. I'm and, and I'm just excited watching it at a normal time. Oh, listen. Yeah, it's good. And not through one eye where you're trying to stay awake. Here, I, like, that first thing, that first fight in New York is honestly the craziest sporting event because Katie Taylor had just fought. And that was enough to process at the time because yeah. there's a Belgian journalist sitting beside me telling me that person was robbed. Yeah. And I was like, shh, <laughs> Joshua's about to get knocked out here. So it was mental stuff. I hope this is as good. It should be. Niall, boom, boom, Kennedy. So nail your colours to the mask here. What were you going? Def, I, I, I think Joshua wins it. I think late stoppage are points. I'd, it might, come here, it might be a bore fest, but he is going to try and get that double. There's no way, by the way. Absolutely no way. Ruiz on points? No? points? no. 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 That ain't happening. No, no, it won't happen. It can't happen. <laughs> I think it's going to be, um, we talked about this fight, uh, weird amount, but Meldrick Taylor against Chavez, where if uh, Joshua hasn't rattled at the end, the referee might just jump in. I, it could happen. There, there is going to be them factors. But yeah. I, Hopefully I it won't come to that. No, I don't think so. But like, it shouldn't. But you're right, like Ruiz... Rui, I don't think he can win on points. He'd have to, he'd have to get a, he'd have to win every like a knockdown in every round, <laughs> like, <laughs> just to be safe. But if you were to talk about that, like Ortiz was down on two of the judges' cards against Wilder, and he, I don't, I don't know. know, he was he was ahead on all of them, was he? Yeah, now some of them, oh, I think. So what are we? It was seventh round. So I think was it one gave it five one, the other two was it four two maybe, or was it two five one and one four two? But even I couldn't make a case for no. for any of them. Yeah, <laughs> I thought you lost every second of it. Yeah, yeah. So um, I don't know. For myself, I was leaning towards Joshua on points, but a lot of people Donovan got into your head. A lot of people have spoken <laughs> spoken Donovan to Donovan got into your head. It's incredible. Like they make such a convincing argument. Yeah. And I, where I, were all these people before the first fight? Is my question because if Andy Ruiz is all wrong for Joshua, they should have been saying that nothing's changed. I agree with you. Like how was he? the most phenomenal heavyweight on the planet before the first fight yeah. and now he's a manufactured heavyweight mm. like sorry manufactured you to change your prediction <laughs> now but it's, I'm a manufactured journalist apparently. it's just that's the way sport is now one defeat oh. and you go from hero to zero yeah. I'm a lot more clear on the Wilder Fury rematch I think Wilder's going to knock him out the second time I'm not sure about this. You can't just throw that out there. Well, we can. We'll, we'll get Nile back in next that year. That wasn't manufactured there. That was no. thrown out there fairly wild. Yeah. yeah. We'll get Nile back in in February to talk about that one. But you know, I just ha I can I can see that rematch in my head. I can see how that's going to play out. This one is just anything could happen. It's yeah. there's so many factors at play. So 
one man who's uh, never short of opinions, Paulie Malinaji, and I caught up with him earlier, rather. And these were his thoughts uh, on the fight. Paulie, how are things? Good, good, man. How are you? Not too bad, not too bad. Now, we have a big card on the way in New York this weekend, Paulie, so I'm keen to get your thoughts on that. But we should start with uh, Ruiz Joshua 2, which is the, the big show in town. So, Joshua, going into that fight, there were rumours more or less after the fact that he might have been knocked out in sparring or he had like a panic attack before the fight. But what was clear that he wasn't quite in the right headspace as the fight transpired or he could never quite get into the fight. How, from your own experience, difficult is it to say if you underestimate opponents to like go up the gears during a fight or are you kind of stuck in that limbo from the start of the fight? Yeah, mentally you weren't ready for the fight. It's kind of hard to get your gears going uh, once you're in the fight. You know, uh, you need to be mentally ready with a full tank of gas mentally and physically uh, and, and ready to kind of, you know, burn that gasoline in the fight, you know? Uh, and it just, it, it, if you don't have that mental capacity going into the fight, you're not going to pick it up on the way into the fight or even once the bell rings because at that point, the danger is in your face and uh, mentally you're not able to, you know, deal with it. And it seemed a little bit like AJ just wasn't able to deal with them with the, with uh, you know the kind of fight that Ruiz brought, um, maybe he wasn't, he didn't expect it or whatnot. But nonetheless, so Ruiz is like I said, is a quality guy, and uh, you know AJ should have been more ready. And did you have any experiences like that in your own career where maybe you uh, got more than you bargained for from an opponent? Yeah, yeah, of course. You know, I had a guy early in my career also who was a Mexican fighter like Ruiz, and he you know, kind of played me the same way. You know, it was very nice uh, at the weigh-in. You know, taking pictures with me and whatnot. And, it kind of throws you off, you know, um, if you haven't experienced that yet, you know, and he was just too nice, and I ended up kind of feeling bad for him. But then come, come the night of the fight, he got, he got on my face a lot, you know, and it was like a it was a, a, a fight that I had to work a bit harder than I anticipated to win. You know, luckily he wasn't on my level, so I was able to handle it. But still, it was the kind of fight where, you know, you end up taking some shots you shouldn't have took, you know, and, you know, people criticize a lot when you're a prospect because they want to see perfection and rightfully so, because you're not fighting opponents that should be testing you a lot, you know? And uh, so, you know, it was definitely my learning experience in that, in to say that no matter what a guy's mentality seems like, once the bell rings, you have to assume that they are always ready to come hurt you and come take you out. So you have to have the same mentality, otherwise, you know, you're going to risk being run out of there. Yeah, and one point on the first fight, Paulie, Rob McCracken came in for a little bit of criticism for his maybe his instruction in the corner or maybe the overall game plan. If you were in Joshua's corner for this fight, what kind of instructions would you be giving him as opposed to what he did in the first fight? Um, you know, everything's hindsight is twenty twenty, so I, I, I don't think it's fair to, for everybody to kind of just be, be criticizing now because it's easy to look back and say, you know, when you, ha- when, when you play the, the Monday morning expert, yeah. you know, it's easy to look back and say, okay, you know, we should have, it should have been this way, this way, and this way. But in the moment when the pressure is on, it's a lot different. You know, there's a lot of different feeling, And you have to kind of make certain decisions and you have to say certain things in that moment, you know. So the pressure is obviously on and, and, and it's, it's a lot more difficult to come up with, you know, the right things to say sometimes. But nonetheless, I, I, I do think, you know, AJ has to impose himself uh, both from a boxing standpoint and from a physical standpoint. But it's a little bit difficult from that just to say that, in, in just to say that basic, because Ruiz has a tendency to punch with you, so you need to mix in your tactical with your feints, and so that he's not, so that when he's trying to punch with you, you're throwing it off, you know, because if you're feinting him out of position, then he's sort of him trying to punch with you is going to get all thrown off and all discombobulated, and then of course mixing your feints with enough shots that land, because if shots are not landing, your feints are not going to work. Guys aren't going to bite on them because guys are not going to be nervous, 
So you need to make your jab count. You need to make your feints count. You need to make your shots count. And you have to balance all those things out. And I think if you do that enough, I think you have to actually get the knockout because Josh was a very heavy puncher. And, uh, you know, Ruiz is a small guy who obviously is able to be knocked down by, by Joshua, as we saw early in that fight. Yeah. And a lot has been said uh, over here about maybe Joshua employing tactics similar to the Joseph Parker fight. Are those fights comparable, Parker and Ruiz's style, or do you think it's just generally more Joshua needs to fight at distance and take a points decision if that's what comes? Um, I don't know. You know, I, I, I did, did, did hear Joshua talking to Vladimir Klitschko, so I, I could see him taking a safe approach to the fight. Um, and, uh, you know, there's also situations where when Vladimir fought short guys, he'd kind of lay his hands on top of them, lay on top of them when they got too close. Mm. So they'd, they'd force a break. And then and from the break, you wind up having, you wind up have forcing the smaller guy to fight on the outside again. When they get too close, you just kind of lean on them all over again, you know? So, so I could, I could, I could almost, I could also see this fight becoming such a tactical, almost boring kind of fight, you know, where, where AJ doesn't allow Ruiz to, to kind of fight on the inside or kind of just lay on top of him and force a break and then force Ruiz to fight on the outside. And if Ruiz becomes impatient from the outside, he may run into a big right hand and get knocked out, you know? So, so, you know, I, I could see from a tactical perspective that too, you know, it, it, where, you know, you're, you're, you're trying to see what, but it all, you're trying to see what's going to work for you, what's not going to work for you. But you're all, you're honestly going to really come to, come to grips with it once the bell rings and you're going to see for yourself, you know, kind of which of the things you prepare for might work better than others, you know? Because you prepare for certain different things and then some things might catch and some things don't. Yeah. And one thing Ruiz had on his side, and you've alluded to it already, he had the element of surprise that maybe those in the Joshua camp didn't quite take him seriously. That's gone now. Do you think that affects his mindset or his uh, mental approach much going into this one? Um, I don't think so because fighters in Mexico tend to be very prideful in their fighting ability, uh, in fighting for their culture, for their race. Um, so I, I think that always comes in the ring with you when you're a Mexican fighter. There's that pride, uh, that machismo. So I don't think the element of surprise is something, I've, even though he can't rely on it this time, I, I think it, it's always superseded by the, the pride in your culture. And the pride in your culture comes from all the great fighters that come from that culture in the past. So. I think as Mexican fighters, the reason they always, they're always able to charge themselves up is because they can always think of themselves as the next guy in a line of great fighters from that heritage. So he's always got that in his, in his locker. You know, he can always say, you know, I'm a Mexican fighter. Doesn't matter if this guy is great or not. I'm here to fight, you know, and doesn't matter if this guy knows I'm not going to surprise him this time. I'm here to fight. So I expect a motivated Ruiz. I, I regardless of anything, I don't think him, him uh, not being able to surprise Joshua is going to affect his mindset. Yeah, and from a tactical standpoint, like it's been well covered now that you know fast hands from from Ruiz are going to give Joshua problems. You know he's got the the short stature as well that Joshua's not quite used to. From a tactical standpoint, on Ruiz's side, is it a case of if it's not broke, don't fix it, or is there anything he could do better, or adjust going into this? Well, I think there's probably more he's going to be able to show if Joshua shows more. You know, he didn't have to really show a lot because once once he hit Joshua. The fight was essentially over, even though it lasted a few more rounds. So I think there's more in what Ruiz can give you and show you. It's just uh, it's got to be brought out of him. And I expect both guys to show more in this fight. Yeah. And moving on to the broader heavyweight picture, we saw Deontay Wilder making somewhat of a statement last weekend. It was a quite an intriguing fight, much like the first one where Ortiz seemed to get a lot of the judges' scorecards. But what did you think of Wilder's overall ending? Um, well, you know, he's an explosive puncher, uh, and he knows what to do. Uh, he probably should be a little busy with the jab and want to try to win rounds with this style, but he's getting a hold of what he wants to do. You know, he, I saw a very composed fighter. 
Now, if he can just remain this composed, he's, I saw him very composed, more composed than even many other fights. If he can just remain this composed and also win the rounds, you, you've got a very, very difficult guy to beat. Yeah, and I remember listening to you a couple of years ago talking about how much you admired his jab, and Mark Breland was obviously a big proponent of that jab in his corner. He seems to be neglecting that a little bit more and just kind of getting greedy on the right hand. Would you encourage him to maybe use that jab, get back to using that as a weapon more? Um, yeah, yeah, I, I think he probably could be a little bit busier with it, but Mark was not only great with the jab, Mark was also great at understanding the distance uh, of the left hand, you know, and I think Wilder, despite not being busy with the jab, uh, showed uh, tremendous calm and composure in, in understanding what distance he needed to be at in that fight, you know. So although he was losing the rounds, he was never in grave danger. Mm. Uh, and eventually, because he was never in grave danger, it never affected his concentration uh, on the on his eventual uh, game plan, which was to set up that big shot. And he kept composing himself, kept kept controlling that distance. Eventually, he got it. Yeah, and um, the, we were talking about the Ruiz-Joshua rematch, but another rematch that seems quite likely is Wilder against Tyson Fury sometime in the spring. Are you expecting a similar fight in the sequel, Paulie, or is who are you favouring at this juncture? Um, you know, I felt Fury won the first fight, but I think these two guys are the top two heavyweights in the world, bar none, and I think... Uh, There'll be adjustments made by both guys, and so I look forward to seeing it. Yeah, and there's some interesting matchups on Showtime this weekend, uh, headlined by our own Dennis Hogan taking on Jamal Charlo. What kind of fight are you expecting there? Um, you know, Hogan showed a lot in the Mongolia fight. You know, many people even thought he won the fight. So I think did you're you, going to. Did you uh, think he won that one? You could make a case for him for sure. You know, you make a case for him for sure. I thought he won the fight, but you can make a case for him, you know, for sure. Um, but uh, nonetheless, I, I, I think Charlo is a better fighter than Munguia. And, um, you know, it's obviously a, a higher weight class now, but I think he fought Munguia at light middleweight. Am I correct? Yeah. So, so, I, so you know, there's more, there's more out there. There's more to deal with when it comes to Jamal Charlo. But Hogan earned this opportunity because of the performance he had against Munguia. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I could see him giving Charlo some rough moments. We'll see. We'll see if how Charlo deals with these rough moments if he gets them. But Charlo is obviously battle-tested. Even the Carlwell fight, he was given rough moments, but he, he maintained composure. So it's a, it's a, Charlo is not an easy guy to deal with. Mm. And then the, uh, the co-main, as it were, or yeah. another appetizing fight on that card is Chris Eubank Jr., someone you'd be familiar with from covering cards in this part of the world. He's taken on Matt Karabov, which looks like a tricky assignment on paper, Paulie. What do you think is going to happen there? It's a really, really tricky fight because Karabov is not to be underestimated. And, of course, Eubank uh, is a guy who's always in the fight with his power, uh, mentally very, very strong. Uh, I think it's a tricky fight. I think that's probably... Uh, might, that, might, that, might, that might take the best action of the night, that fight, you know? Mm. Uh, we'll see. And last point before I let you go. Like you, As I said, you would have seen a bit of Eubank and you had some first-hand experience of him uh, when he fought to Gale. But do you think he's improved at the level that maybe we saw when he fought Spike O'Sullivan? It felt like he was going to kick on and become a force at world level. He hasn't really done that. Um, do you think there's still oh. time for him to make an impression at the real top level? Um, there is time if he's able to get a really good performance Saturday night. I think Saturday is a very key night for him, you know, because uh, I think he enters the big time, uh, not just in name reputation, but also in, in, the literal, in the literal sense, if he's able to get a, a, a solid performance and a solid win Saturday night. Two-weight champion of the world there, Paulie Malinaji, with his thoughts on Joshua versus Ruiz, and also a big show in Brooklyn, which we'll get to later in the show, Dennis Hogan once again challenging for the world championship. But we should, in what is a golden era of heavyweights, Niall, and there's no shame in saying it, like, sometimes we look at the history books and think yeah. that, that was a great period, but you look at some of the heavyweights around oh, at the moment, cool. it's fantastic stuff, and this is a heavyweight card top to bottom. Yeah, I, you asked me for my top ten, 
the last time I was in with you and the majority of my top ten are fighting Saturday night Bar Wilder and Fury mm. and like the one that I think slips under the radar is Michael Hunter and he fights Povetkin and if he beats Povetkin he has to be knocking on a door for a world title fight what a story he's been sure he's only losses to Usyk and can you see like there's not too many people shouting to fight Usyk is there yeah Bar Derek Chisora, my hero. So, yeah, boy, I'll fight anyone. Yeah, that that fight looks like it's going to happen. Yeah, it's in the spring, so that's another exciting one, another uh, big heavyweight clash. Are you leaning anyway on Hunter Pavekin? I think Hunter outboxes him. Um, hopefully, because I, I actually really read Michael Hunter, but, but Pavekin has that punch as well. Like he he's a serious power, and I thought he looked better the last day out as well. Like he's. He sort of suffers with inactivity a little bit as well, so he's been a little bit more active and now not at the level maybe that like Michael Hunter's had good wins recently. Like he gave like yeah, I won't ruin the rest of the young car, but he, I think Michael Hunter is very, very, very underrated and mm. is going to cause trouble. But if he stays up he beats Pavek. Yeah, and you said it all fair. The fact that they've been placed as chief support here mm. would suggest they're building something. Joshua had a decent fight with Pavekin the first time and Hunter is a, is a different name. He was na- Hunter was in the mix, wasn't he, mm, as yeah. a possible replacement for Ruiz. Yeah, for the first, yeah. They said for, he was too for, small. And for Miller as it was. Look, yeah. look how things turned out. Um, we talked about ethics earlier in the show and ironically Niall was in. I think maybe the first time you were in we were talking about Dillian White and how good he was and then within minutes he was popped. Yeah, yeah. Again, there's so much uh, red tape around that we can't get into the specifics but He's back on, in mm. action, Phil, against Marius Wack, and you sp- suspect uh, Wack is going to get whacked. Yeah. But um, boom. What do you think? Of this yeah, whole? like in terms of the the way the story has played out, like there's just been no transparency, and we don't know what's going on. And it almost slipped in under the radar that all of a sudden he was back on the on the scene. And look, it won't be long before Jarrell Miller's fighting again. Mm-hmm. So that's. But see, uh, with Miller, we know what. Like he had, the, yeah. he had a cocktail of drugs in his body. Why we don't know anything really? No. So he, like when White failed the test before, it was a drink, mm. and you know he was saying he didn't, he didn't know. Yeah, but I, there's just been no comment on it this time. No, it's just all been kept quiet. So that just you know that I find that frustrating because from when I watched Dillian White, I, I think before the the whole incident. I thought he was worthy of a, a world title shot. Mm-hmm. You know, he he beat everyone that was put in front of him. Not the like technically maybe not as good as some of the other heavyweights, but always entertains and he can bang. And his resume as well is yeah. almost second to none outside the heavy, outside the champions rather. Um, yeah, it's it's a, it's a shame. Like we had a question in the mailbag last week: who's the best fighter to ever win a world title? And in this current crop. Certainly in Britain, yeah. it's it's him, it's Luke Campbell, those two probably. Yeah. So um, I think he will get a shot. I saw him and Joshua were quite chummy at the open weigh-outs or open workouts yesterday, and might might talk about a trilogy with those two. Obviously, White beat him in the amateurs, Joshua beat him in the pros. So there's a, a huge story there. Um, elsewhere in the card, uh, unless you want to say anything about White and I, we have Philip Hergovic. No, I think White. I think Marius Walk. He's last. Three or four fights he's been stopped. Not while he won, I think he, I can't remember who he won against. I was just looking at it on box track, but um he's been stopped by Perfect and he's been stopped by 
Martin Bacola stopped him recently enough as well. And, and that's it. And Bacola was Joshua's sparring partner as well when I was over there. It's very decent, but he got... He got stopped by Hunter, so I think that shows the level of Hunter as well. Yeah. You know, so. so White, we were expecting uh, early. I think no shocks there. Uh, similarly, Eric Molina's back. Another another man who popped had a big ban. He's coming off the back of that. He's fighting Philip Pergovic. Another straightforward fight. Now you, you I'd imagine it's straightforward because I think they're building Hargovic something crazy. I think I like Sauerland promoting, but he's signed with Dazan now. Or Dazzan. Mm, yeah. And, uh, like, you know, he just, El Animal, I think they're calling him or something, isn't it? And they're, they're really, they really, that yeah, that's Jason's that she said, isn't it? <laughs> she put an L instead of there. Yeah, so I think <laughs> it's like they're building him big. If you go by box rick, him and Molina are third in line. Pfeka is chief support, then them, mm. and then White. Like, I think White is just a filler fight because. Yeah, because it was supposed to be, unfortunately, it was supposed to be John O'Carroll. Mm. Scott yeah. Quake and I would probably have been over there if he was on the card, so it's, it's a shame. But here we are, and it's a, it's a huge heavyweight card. And, uh, but Tom, Molina in the open workouts, and I know he, he's had that band, but he looked trim in the open workouts. He looked fit. So, it, like, Turner brought Hargovic to this, and Sean Turner did. Mm. And I remember talking to Sean. Sean got that short notice. He got five weeks notice, and wasn't wasn't even at his fist. Mm. So and he went the distance with went eight rounds. So it's interesting to see like Hargovic, Hargovic hasn't been clipped as a heavyweight yet either and I don't think Molina is the man to do it now. I think he'll be stopped alright, but it'll be interesting to see if he does get he has he itching. And all the exotic names on this card and Tom Little is in amongst them yeah. uh, against Majidov. It's an eight rounder. Should be competitive or at least uh, action filled I would say. Yeah. He's he's an Azerbaijani, Majidov, and he's only after being signed by um, the zone and matchroom. Mm. So for him to get on this card shows that they have intentions behind the menu. Yeah. They like, but they have they have every heavyweight bar wilder, I think, don't they? So. Yeah, and Fury as well. Sorry. Yeah. yeah, they're trying to... Like, there's talk of a PBC belt with Al Heyman trying to get his own belts and try to do away with the WBO and all this kind of stuff, so... I'm sure the owner having similar thoughts. That's that that's that would get messy. Yeah. Yeah. You need more belts. That's exactly it. Yeah. So that, to be fair, that is a fantastic card in Saudi Arabia. Um, in terms of the Irish boxing scene, also a big week starting tomorrow with Jason Quigley. He's uh, now, of course, cornered by off the broad zone Andy Lee, and Andy caught up with uh, Owen Sheehan on this morning's OTB. Um. Yeah, Jason's ready now. We just finished our last session. It's like ten ten thirty a.m. a p.m. here. Mm. So we finished our last session earlier on, and he's in great form, underweight, and uh, just ready to fight now. What does the last session involve? It's low intensity, more of a sweat out. Rehearsing the things, technique, keep the technique right. Um, mentally, just just finally drill the last few things, but, the, but also but at a low intensity, just so where he's sweating and just that's all. Like uh, the day before yesterday, we had our last really hard, intense session. Um, but yeah, he's sharp. He should put in a good performance. Would this be the stage of the week? Would there be a point in the week when you would realise if there wasn't sharpness there? I think this kind of feeds into the conversation we're going to have later on with, with Anthony Joshua. If there is something wrong that the audience can sometimes be shocked with, I presume the coach can spot it during the week before he actually gets into the ring. Well, 
I was like Jason came over here on Thursday um, of last week. I didn't get over here until Sunday night because I had commitments with with uh, commentary for Frampton, Frampton's fight. Um, and it, he trained every day when he was here, but even in those spaces, a few days when I wasn't here, I could see he picked up little things that kind of bad habits that he'd had before right. started creeping in. So um, just had to iron those out and uh, get him back, you know, get him back on form. And he, towards the end of the first session we did, he was back, back sharp. And then the day before yesterday, he was flying absolutely smashing the pads and everything was perfect, fully focused. And then today was just a complete sweat out and a mental rehearsal more than a physical exertion, you know? So yeah, like easy take your, you know, take your, take your eye off the ball and um, let the old bad, bad habits creep back in. I presume those bad habits are something that as a fighter, you don't necessarily spot yourself. You just kind of need your coach or somebody on the outside to actually spot them. I think so, yeah. I think when you're in there, you feel comfortable, you feel good, but take someone. It's even like a small thing, like keeping his shoulders loose. And with Jason, when he's front foot, he'll step with his heel instead of his toe. And that's something when you're in there and everything else, like the punches you're throwing and the punches that come back at you and the way you're moving. And small little things like that, they're easy to go under the radar and, and you let slip, you know? So mm. all those small details you have to. Keep reminding him. Keep reminding him, and he, he'll, he'll. Jason recognizes it as soon as I say it. I don't even have to finish the sentence, and he knows he's already doing it. Right. Um, Abraham Cordero is the opponent. It's live in the zone tomorrow night. Is there kind of uh, an expectancy that uh, from from Jason himself to, to put in a big performance? Is this an opponent that strikes any fear in him, or, or what's the picture going into tomorrow night's fight? It's a tough one for Jason, I think. Um, because he's coming back of a loss, and you're, mm. so your confidence is always low. But with that, there's pressure on him too to look good and to remind people how good he is. Um, I've totally, I've certainly said that to him. Like, it's important that you look good in this fight and that you put on, put on a performance, a dominating performance. Corrado is tough. He's experienced. Um, I don't think he'd pose much of a threat to Jason technically. Um, but the question is, can, how Jay, like Jason can win the fight, easy. But it's how how he goes about doing it, <clears throat> and how he looks while he's doing it, um, is the question. And uh, I think once he gets the first couple of rounds out of the way, he gets back in there, back starts feeling better or good. Um, I think he just go for the gears then. So yeah, I, I, I expect if he can reproduce what he does in the gym, he doesn't have any performance anxiety. Then he he should stop Corrado, at least, or at least dominate him every round. Yeah, it, like it, it helps usually that he's been fighting over there for such a long time. He knows that the aim of the game is not just to win these bouts; it is to win it in style. It is to get knockouts for the United States crowd. Yeah, and look for Jason now. He's twenty eight, twenty seven, twenty eight, and he's seventeen fights into his career, and he's he's not a prospect anymore. Mm. He's kind of in this. He's in this nowhere, um, where. He's not a prospect. He's got a one defeat, and he has to do not take chance, but he has to start making some noise about it for himself, and get people excited about it, and put his name up there with the contenders of the division, um, because he hasn't got too too much longer left. You know, where this window, it's, this window, the next year is very important, Jason, that he keeps performing and performing well, and push on for a title. Because if not, he just drift off and become. 
become just, you know, uh, not even a contender, but somebody who had potential but didn't make it, you know. So it's a crucial time for his career. Um, but saying that, if he does have a good performance tomorrow and then another one after that, he will be excited about it, man, because he has a lot of attention, lot, lot to offer. He's an exciting fighter where he's best, and it won't be long before he will be knocking on the door again at a world title. Like that's the thing, the 160 pound division, huge challenges uh, across the board, but also huge opportunities that it comes with. So, it, like from just speaking to Jason a couple of times on the show, I know you guys have had him on off the brawl a bit more than than I would have spoken to him. It just seems that he is the type of person who would thrive under that sort of pressure. Who the bigger picture actually really means a lot to him and would drive him forward to a better performance tomorrow night. Yeah, like he's so close. You know, at mm. this moment, like when he when he lost to Torino Johnson, you think that you know he's a million miles away, but he's not. He's only two, three fights away from being back where he was, and if not, even better positioned than he was before the Johnson fight. And um, look at the champions in the division. Obviously, Canelo's the big one, Golovkin, Andrade. There's also a golden boy promoter fighter called Ryu Murata, who's um, an Olympian Japanese fighter who holds a title in his division. He's, so that's, that's a very easy, easy fight to make for, for Jason because it's the same promotion. So Jason's only two, three fights away, and he'd be like, he'd be challenging those guys. If Jason was fighting Murata tomorrow, I'd give Jason a good chance of beating him. Well, that, that's what we like to hear. Uh, we're going to get on to Joshua against Ruiz. Hopefully, we will chat to yourself or Jason after a big win later on in the week. But we do want to chat uh, about Joshua Ruiz 2.0 at this point. Almost the difficult second album from Anthony Ruiz going into uh, this weekend. This is a situation where he's obviously been held up now as one of overnight one of the most famous boxers in the world there's talks and there is signs of a physique change are you worried at all about his mindset going into this about trying to follow this up uh, when the stakes are a little bit higher I like you that's a good analogy the second album you know maybe he's used all these these hits on the first one and now the record label is looking for a big <laughs> for a big hit on the second one but like um, the, like the, the question of his mentality he was very hungry with the first one because he was un- unknown and didn't have any financial security. And when you give those things to a fighter, um, it can be it can it can excel you and raise you up and make you better, or it can have the opposite effect where you start to believe the hype. Um, you think the first fight was easy. You don't give your opponent much credit, as in Joshua, and. You start to relax a little bit because, you know, Marvin Hagler said it's hard to get up and run at 5 a.m. when you're wearing silk pajamas. You know, it's, it's, uh, that's, 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 that, but he strikes me as a guy who, he doesn't kind of take anything, he takes it all in his stride, isn't he? He's very like, you know, he doesn't seem to, the weight of the situation doesn't seem to affect him. He just seems pretty, pretty happy fella. And maybe, and that's probably the right approach to have. Um, but, it's just a, just it's an intriguing fight. It's a really really interesting interesting fight, and obviously it's the biggest fight of the year, probably in the long uh, in a long long time. In the heavyweight division, probably big, obviously we had Wilder and Fury last year, but this one involves like a lot of the belts all except one. So it's probably I don't know Tyson and Lewis back in back in whenever that was oh five oh four. That was like the last heavy in terms of global attention for a fight heavyweight fight. This is this is probably the biggest since that. Uh, and it's in terms of it being a contest, it's very intriguing too because 
we all know what happened the first time around. Um, but who can make the adjustment? Can Joshua change? Can he fight a different fight? Will he be able to hold his nerve? Um, or will Ruiz just do the same thing? You know, it's 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 an intriguing, intriguing style match of styles. It, like it is, it's very very intriguing stylistically. But even just to go back to that weight point, it seems that they've both changed a little bit. Like uh, according to Eddie Hearn, there is a good bit of weight shed from Anthony Joshua at this point. Like I know Hearn is obviously there to, to big up a fight always, but he said he was seventeen stone ten in the first fight, but he's much much lighter now. I think he'll weigh in around seventeen stone two pounds. He's not been pumping weights. He's been watching his diet, eating really clean. This camp has been fifteen or sixteen weeks, not ten or eleven as normal he's been sparring 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 i would say andy that you know diet and eating really clean and sparring 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 should probably be part of your camp regardless of the stakes of a fight yeah but it's <clears throat> sometimes you know there's so much emphasis put on the others the other aspects of, of boxing that, and they can take take place and true um in terms of jumping and then they've said he's t- taken down his he's kind of to an old school way of training um, and I think that would be very good for him because he hasn't got a lot of experience you forget he's still learning he's still like started boxing late won the, won the Olympic heavyweight title really when I don't know like the Cuban probably beat him in the final the, the finals were in London the Olympics were in London and they probably gave him the decision and then he was propelled in his 17th fight he fought for a world title as he get an education and most mm. of them don't fight until like fight for a world title until like the 27th fight, 26th fight. He fought for a world title in his 17th fight. Education in, in terms of a boxer has been stunted. Um, and that was apparent outside. You could see that, that he hadn't, hasn't got those instincts that you that are embedded and, and ingrained in you from learn, that you learn from a young age um, when you're boxing all the time. I've had like there's been a, there's big not some sort of controversy from people who don't know, but when Robin Crack said I knew my fighter was concussed in the corner when he talked about Joshua and there was some you know, that was a quote that went around the world like boxing fight a fighter fighting concussed, but look I've had fights like that myself where I've been knocked down and it's not until four or five rounds later where you realise you're actually in a fight, but somehow you've gotten through the previous five rounds because you have instincts built up. And he doesn't have those instincts, Joshua. So I think him going back to a training camp where he's sparring a lot, and it can only be good for him. It can only be good. And like he's never given a reason why he underperformed or why he, or an excuse. He's never. But I listened to an interview to him, with him today, and he came as close as he ever did to giving a reason. And we were saying that, and it's quite valid that he was preparing for another guy, Drell Miller who failed a drug test, I think three weeks before the release fight. So they had to find a replacement. And Miller is a big guy, 6'5", big, huge guy. And then he comes down to fight Ruiz, who's 6'2", maybe 6'1", and different, completely different style. And so there's a change in sparring partners in terms of the height and statue and their styles. And he said... He said... He didn't say it outright, but I could tell by the words without saying it that he had had a hard time adjusting to Ruiz's style in the ring because it wasn't what he was seeing every day in training, preparing for Miller. So this time he would have brought in sparring partners. I know they brought in Derek Chisora and another, other, other high-quality sparring partners. And it will be, that will be a good thing for him. That will, like, 
definitely be benefits to that. He looks smaller, he looks lighter, and he looks to me like a fella who's going to jab, jab, and box his way to a, to a, who. That's it. That would be his game plan. Not to get involved, not to trade, not to hook with Ruiz, but to throw a jab. And see, Ruiz has this ability, and you, if you watch the first fight, um, where he'll pick shots, where he'll walk Joshua down, and he'll he'll take the he'll take Joshua's punches away from him by picking them with his hands, and almost like he's doing pads and blocking them on his forearms. And then when he can get use that to get get into range, and then he'll throw his rapid fire hooks. Where Joshua can use his jab this time instead of committing to the jab or over committing to the jab, use it as a range finder and as an occupier of for Ruiz's pick. So he'll throw out two jabs. Ruiz will look to pick them, but they'll only be decoys. They'll only be occupying Ruiz, and then look for him to throw the right hand behind it or double jab, and then turn it into a hook. Which Joshua did have success with a long left hook um, in the first fight. Um, so we'll see. That's just that's. So I just I just think that's the way he's going to fight. He's going to box and move, box and move. Try to nullify Ruiz early in the fight and take him into the late rounds. Hopefully, and he, I think he'll try and get a stoppage late in the fight. It's interesting that you mentioned that about the style of Andy Ruiz really harming Anthony Joshua the last time out because I think it completely fits into your what you also said there in that answer about the fact that Anthony Joshua is still going through an education of boxing late in his career that somebody almost needs to sit him down and give him the stencil this is exactly how Andy Ruiz is going to approach this fight and this is how you need to box against it that he still needs to be thought and told exactly what to do almost especially when it comes to style in the boxing ring he's clearly got the physique he's clearly got the technique it's just the style almost when he gets in there that that's required and if his coach is giving a very clear message like you've given to off the ball viewers just there about how to achieve a win this weekend you'd imagine that joshua has the superior talent to be able to execute that uh, have i oversimplified the chances in, no, in the fight? Look, that's that's all well and good, but then you have to think about what Ruiz is going to do. And what mm. Ruiz did in the first fight, which was very effective, he kept jabbing Joshua to the body and to the chest. Yeah, and that slowly broke Joshua down because there was there was only just only a few really heavy headshots landed before before the eventual um, breaking down of Joshua. Like, but he was constantly jabbing to the body, jabbing hard to the body and to the chest. And I don't think Joshua was prepared for that. Talk about conditioning. It's a different condition. And there's one condition, like, we talk about conditioning, and people say, how is Joshua not in condition? Look at the shape he's in, look at the physique he's in. There's fitness and there's conditioning, but then there's also boxing fitness. And that's completely different. It's completely different. Like, you can do all the weights, all the running, all the bag work you want, but then you, when you get in there and spar, you're still as tired as you are. And like, it's like, you know, you still have to build up that sparring condition. Like, look at McGregor and Mayweather. You can't all find a better specimen of a man than than Conor McGregor. Look at the shape he's in. Look how, like, the condition he's in. But he's not boxing conditioned. So uh, what happened to him? He started off well, but then he got tired. And Mayweather knew that. Mayweather just took his time, walked him down, made Conor McGregor work, and then he got tired and gassed out. Um, so there's a different conditioning for boxing. So that would, that's why I was saying also that Joshua taking away his strength and conditioning and put more emphasis on boxing is a good thing for him. Um, but all, like both men know that, I think Joshua knows if he can box a discipline fight, keep his emotions emotions in check, that he can win. Mm. But and obviously Andy Ruiz knows he can win, so it's it's it is it's just an like I can't call it. I can't. It's it's one of those fights where you just can't call it. You can see the man winning. 
Right. Um, he's, he's two to one, Andy, uh, Andy Ruiz this time. We're, like, just looking at it, he's still uh, a fairly heavy outsider, but still, when you look at the punditry and you look at the experts, nobody's giving, nobody's making him a two to one outsider uh, on when it, when it comes to the predictions. And it's like, like, I, I look at that. I just even think about Joshua, like the first fight, it was, his behavior was bizarre in a lot of ways. And it was like he was having an out of body experience. Right. Because do you remember, before, even before the first bell, there was a lot of waiting in the ring, but he was just standing there and he's kind of biting on his gum shield, like poking it out of his mouth. He had his hands lent on the ropes. He wasn't warming up. He wasn't like bouncing around or look focused at all. He was like looking around the ring. And then obviously he got dropped. And twice, two previous rounds after that, he asked his coach, what did I get hit with? What was the punch? And what should I do? What's he going to like? He was very vocal in the corner. Um, like... I think you're going to see a lot more focus at Anthony Joshua in this fight. He already looks more focused. Um, but I, I, I'm just tossing it in my own head, and I just, I still can't call. I still can't see a win. I just don't know who's going to win this fight, and that's what makes it so intriguing and interesting. And um, like, you can easily see Ruiz going out there and breaking him down again, yeah. walking him down, taking his shots, jabbing to the body, jabbing hard, going hard to the body with the right hand, and picking his moment. Because the, 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 the first fight, it wasn't like a one punch. It wasn't a lucky punch. It was a punch that started it. But after that, there was a systematic breakdown. And Joshua had moments where he could have recovered, had moments where he could have maybe knocked Ruiz out, and, and had, just still had some success after the first knockdown. But Ruiz just took his time and was patient and broken down, mm. methodically broken down. So you could easily see that happen and again. So, uh, lads, friend of the show, Jason Quigley, back in action tomorrow as we record here on Wednesday. And, um, you know, we'd be looking to bounce back and look impressive. Andy Lee's in his corner now. How do you expect this one to play out now? It'll be, in my opinion, I think he, he wins it and he'll win it, win it in very impressive fashion. Um, Cordero has been relatively inactive, fights maybe once a year um, since 2015. And his last win was in August 2015, but was that uh, lightweight? No, super lightweight, so that's what, 65 or 6 kilos, so it shows he's blown up in weight a little bit. Um, yeah, I think Jason does a number on him. I think I think the fit with Andy and Jason is a brilliant fit, is that, yeah. you know, I'd, from a friend's point of view, I, I'm very, very fond of Jason Quigley. I think he's one of the nicest people you'll meet in and out of boxing. And I think that little hand over the shoulder, like you know, that Andy can give because he's been there and done it. Yeah. They have a friendship as well, so I, I believe the trust thing will happen. Like, because Jason sort of he needs to pin down the trainer now as well. He's changing, like he's gone from Billy to Jack nearly. So he needs to pin down his trainer, and I think from him, he's very. He's very um he like he, he likes being at home. You know, he's in he's a in a long term relationship with a lovely girl in Donegal and like, the fate of just being in Ireland. Yeah. Um the dove now. Yeah, I don't know. He's he's very <laughs> proud Donegal yeah. man, but, but um he like I think this just works better for him. Yeah. It's the whole golden boy thing though. He, he does he need to be 
based in New York and does he need to be based in Boston, that type of area? Yeah, I think they've both been sort of, Andy and himself have been quite open about wanting to fight on the East Coast and or maybe even in the UK and this feels almost like a contractual thing where right, we have to get one more fight out this year in anywhere. Let's just yeah. get, a, get a win. Well, it's important for him to get a win for, for that jail, yeah. you know, to see how that works and... It's a confidence for both of them then, you know, the both of them can build off it and work to the new year. But like Jason Quigley's talent and ability, I believe he, he can be a world champion still, like, you know, and just to slip up something went wrong. I, ne- I don't like saying this, and I, I sort of said it off air to you the last time. I never felt that the fit, and I'm not putting Dominic Ingle down, he's a fantastic trainer, but I never felt that fit was right for Jason because Jason is such an elusive boxer anyway. That switching and that changing and that sort of was a Winklebank style to, to have mm. made Jason a little bit more relaxed and the Toronto Johnson fight then was just a little bit like Ruiz. He's just a bull. Like. Yeah. So that relaxed approach wasn't whereas Jason, like, Jason's such a phenomenal boxer. Like, you know, so I think Andy will have schooled that. Do you know, don't go away from what you're really good at mm-hmm. and get back to it and just, uh, he'll add to his bow as well. Yeah, because it's like what we were saying about Joshua, that like hammer the hammer with Quigley as well, where if you're a really good technical boxer, mm. no frills, just really good on yeah. all the fundamentals. Strip it back. Just get in there and do it. And if, if you put it together, and another thing Andy always says, and you row in behind, I'm sure, that it's not the knockout punch that you're looking for, mm. it's when you put stuff together. Andy is the greatest advocate of that like he you never really saw his knockout punches coming and mm. bang the came yeah so an- another thing about Andy Phil and uh, Niall touched on it there that Jason Quigley one of the nicest guys in Irish sport and as was Andy and but what the difference was or so far anyway was when Andy got in the ring he was a machine and you know he's cold and calculated Quigley always maybe you know is he doesn't have the killer edge quite yet and Andy said it last week, you know, he needs to be, he can be a nice guy when he's up in Donegal, but when he gets in the ring, he needs to be a bad yeah, MF. Yeah. So that's what we're looking for, a bit of bite yeah. this week. Also, yeah, if, if he could, obviously he wants to get back to winning ways, first fight with Andy as trainer, but make a statement, then also the, you can go to Andy and Jason can go to Golden Boy after and say, like this guy, you know, we've changed a few things and we'd like to get a fight whether it's in the UK or on the, the east coast mm. of America so obviously the more emphatic the performance probably the better the mm. negotiating chips are in, in this situation but look the most important thing is that he gets a win and he gets to try out all these things that they've worked on in the gym Yeah. now don't have to tr- try them all but so that Jason com- come away from the fight saying yeah this stuff that we worked in the gym worked in the ring so that trust, I'm sure he has great trust in Andy, but it grows and it grows. And then, you know, you hit 2020 with even more hope because uh, obviously it would have been such a setback to lose that Johnson fight. But Andy's been in that situation himself before where he's lost fights and he bounced back and he won a world title. So. Same stage in his career, more or less. Yeah. Almost fights, exactly. yeah. Yeah. So There's a lot of similarities. So yeah. it would be great if, if Jason could follow that path as well and and lift a world title at some stage. And he's got the whole package. Like That's never been in doubt. He's such a personable guy, great boxer. He can do almost everything in the ring there. Yeah. So Good-looking fella. He's easy yeah. to promote. He's like, you know, he's 
he's a good lad as well. Like, so. Yeah, and a couple of wins in that middleweight division, and you're right up in amongst it. So, mm. uh, looking forward to seeing him back in action. That should, I think, that's live on the Golden Boy channel. So if you check it out on Facebook or on their website, that's where you'll see it. Um, Aaron McKenna is someone who's been quietly building his own profile over there. Yeah, um, him and his brother, but Aaron, not, not favouring him, but Aaron, I think is is a very impressive. Like he's he's huge for the way. Yeah. And he like where does he stop at? He's sort of a Callum Smith of a chap. Like you don't know what way he'll end up at. Yeah. But I think he's very, very good. Um, I didn't look at his. Uh, his there's very, very little on Gatan um, on boxer even so. I it'll be. It's another learning fight. He's only a kid. He's really young still. Like so, but they're building him to put him on that show. With Jason is trying to attract Irish support over there. I'd imagine so. It's brilliant for him, but like that, an Irish man in America, he's probably on the wrong side of the state. Yeah, like so. he, yeah and yet he's become quite well known over there. Like Robert Garcia, that, that's a mm. great link up, one of the best trainers in the world, in my opinion, and that can only bode well for him. Um, it'll be interesting to see, and such a young lad, yeah. and that's going to become the norm now. We saw the mess that was the national championships in the, the amateurs last week, and you can imagine if I was in their situation thinking, I can't be yeah. relying on these factors outside my control. I'm going to take this in my own two hands and try and make, carve my own career path. And that's what those lads have done. In quite a brave way as well. Going Very brave, there. yeah, for kids like to completely uproot and go. Like, but yeah. it's working out so far for them. Yeah, and um, one of our favourite guests from the, the past year has been Dennis Hogan. And we had him on before the, um, before the fight with Mungia. Did the whole career interview, which is a fascinating chat, just what he's come through to get to this point. And then, like, almost dismissing any notion that he was going to win that fight. Almost subconsciously, I was sort of talking about it as if it's a great achievement to get to this point, mm-hmm. not even contemplating that he was going to do what he did. And he should have won that fight. Like, he's a world champion in my eyes. He gets another crack um, this weekend. And we caught up with uh, Dennis on Off the Ball. Here he is speaking to Joe Malloy. So fight week is uh, full of, what, nerves, excitement, a bit on edge. How are you feeling three days out? Yeah, like you said, you know, there's, um, I, but I, I feel good, but, uh, yeah, there's, uh, certainly excitement, but, you know, obviously the, the nerves start to creep in every now and again, but, uh, uh, but that's all part of fight week, and, um, everything is on track, so feeling good. What's your schedule over the ne- next couple of days? Who has travelled over with you from Australia? Oh, well, look, I've been in Miami with the guys there. We have, um, you have, uh, Mark there, who's a manager agent who's also doing the food, of course. Uh, a strength coach here with me, Crystal Mucker. I have my head coach here, Glenn. I have a, a assistant coach, uh, Zach. Um, you know, we've been we've been here for a while, and now we've all come to New York. Everybody's here. You know, the the Kutzman is here, DDP, Paul, and Danny are here, and everyone's all after accumulating here in New York. So it's great. It's good to have the whole team here. It's nice to have that entourage and people around and people to bounce off, as opposed to, I guess, too much time on your own. Yeah, look, it's 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 a great it's a you know you got to create a, a vibe, you know, and um, we've certainly done that. So um, everything is 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 it's a good laugh, it's a bit of fun, but you know we're very serious about the job that we got to get done here. So um, it's good to be able to mix it up a bit, but but still get everything we need to get done. So. Dennis, obviously, I think more and more people over here are increasingly aware of your uh, career and what you're up to. And last April, obviously, there was the WBO World Light Middleweight title 
fight against Jamie Munguia in Mexico. You were a huge underdog in the neutral's eye for this fight, and yet, well, not just in your opinion, but in plenty of people's opinion, most people's opinion, you won that fight. Unfortunately, not the judge's opinion. Now, I know you were on talking to Nathan a couple of days after that fight. Uh, have you put all that to bed? Is there still a, a kind of residual anger about that, uh, that whole situation? No, there never really was an, an anger. It was just, uh, I mean, it was disappointing. But uh, look, it's 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 all in the past now. And I, I knew, and I spoke about this straight after, that I know that that would set me up for something greater. I said that, you know, obviously no one gave me a chance, but everyone will see. And um, and the opportunity and the doors that will open from this will be big. And it did. Um, we had a couple of offers. We had um, uh, promoters, you know, uh, interested. In, and so we... We went with the best available offer, which just happened to be the middleweight WBC world world title. So that certainly opened up that door. And you know, if I was to put everything together, <clears throat> this is the dream right now to be in Brooklyn, New York, mm. uh, with everyone here. You know, my family's travelled over from Ireland, my friends, um, everyone from Australia. And th- this would be the dream would be for the would be to win the WBC middleweight world title in Brooklyn, New York. So everything's come together for the right reasons and. Um, and look again I've, I've no resentment with what happened again I just feel like it's happened for a reason mm. The move up to middleweight from light middleweight has that been a challenging thing? I think I read you, you fought at light heavyweight before so it doesn't sound like the jump would have been too severe No I, I mean I, it's just easy for, easier for me um, I've allowed myself because I, I can put on muscle quite easily and I've allowed myself to put on an extra kilo of muscle which we can visibly see Um in my back especially, and stronger legs as well. So I've done that, and it just means that I don't have to um, don't have to dehydrate quite as much. I'm very good at dehydrating a, lot of ki- a good few kilos to make weight, but then putting it back on. Mm. But now not having to do that, I feel like I'll be stronger. So um, it's just easier for me. Okay, so it's actually a more natural weight for you to fight at. You feel better for it. 100%, yeah. yeah. Tell us about your opponent then. I mean, Charlo, two-way world champion, um, you know, very accredited um, in his amateur and pro career. He's undefeated, but, um, you know, it's all about rising to the challenge. And I certainly uh, was very excited about this because, again, I, you know, Mungia was also undefeated, but we um, caused some problems there. Mm. And uh, I know we can do the same thing. So we sat back, developed a good game plan, and... Um, I've had full belief in the game plan and I've been executing it really, really well of late. So uh, we'll just get in Saturday night, let the, let the game plan unfold. Um, I'm ready to, to do whatever I need to do in there to get the win and then obviously we'll get the WBC strap and, and bring it home. So yeah. very excited about that. You know, it's funny looking back, Munguia was a huge favourite in that fight back in April. I think he was 25-1 to 1 on and I look at the current fight against Charlo and he's 16 to 1 on so once again you're going in as the neutrals underdog a lot of time being the underdog I think especially in combat sport can get on top of you a little bit and can get into your mindset you clearly in April responded really well to being an underdog and rose to the occasion talk to us about doing that about not letting other people's expectations get into your head yeah, look, I, I figured out a good few years ago that other people's opinions mean absolutely nothing. It's really all down to how you feel about yourself and what you know about yourself to be true. So um, I've I've done the work. I mean, I, I've done so many hours 
three to four hours a day for the last um, <clears throat> for the last twelve weeks at least um, to be fit and ready for this fight. You know, you work the game plan, you go over it meticulously and rigorously, and before you know it, you don't, you can't see any other outcome. But to be able to do what you plan to do and what you need to do to win, and then when that starts happening in your sparring and it starts happening everywhere else. Uh, on the bag, on the pads, everything's cracking, everything's going well, looking good. Um, it starts to feel very real. So people's opinion has never felt any good for me. As uh, Like I said, I, I do it for the people that believe in me, not for the people that don't. I don't care about those people. And um, and um, myself, I, I've always said I'd be world champion. I started to believe it eight years ago, and look what's happened since then. I shouldn't be where I am today, really, uh, in terms of you know everyone's opinion. So... Um, I've got here. I'm ready to do what I need to do, and uh, and it's yeah, it's all good. <laughs> yeah, no, it certainly sounds it. I mean, people might listen to you and say, "Oh, you 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 really kind of thought about doing this eight years ago," and might think you're younger than you are. Like you're 34 years old. It hasn't been a straightforward journey. Clearly, can you give people who maybe aren't as familiar with your story a sense of that, Dennis? Yeah. Okay. So I mean, I went um, I went uh, professional. I think around 26 years of age, and. Um, always wanted to be a, a professional and I never actually had any big goals to go to the Olympics or World Championships as an amateur. But, uh, I, uh, you know, um, but, uh, you know, it's, I, I mean, at that stage I wasn't doing the work anyway. So, uh, but I, I knew that when I went professional that I would go all in, that that was, you know, winning fights there and getting up as far as I could. And obviously the dream of being a world champion. But, you know, back then I felt like, you know, oh, that's just a dream. That's just what you want. But, um, um, you know, I, I had two fights, two two wins was good. And then I had a draw for my third fight. And, you know, and uh, with, with a couple of things on top of all of that, my grandfather saying, you know, you know, give it everything you've got. And after he passed away, the penny dropped. I said, you know what, I've just had a draw in my third fight. If I don't, if I don't put in now... And and uh, this is all going to vanish. So I just uh, I just made the goal that I'm not just going to, you know, aim to achieve to be world champion. I'm going to make sure and do it. And I'm going to feel how it feels to be world champion. I'm going to make every decision I make off what will a world champion do. And from that point onwards, I just rose from strength to strength. Got on TV fighting, got some really good wins, got kept winning a national title, then world ranked. And, and uh, here I am today now uh, going for my third world title fight and um, the belief is strong very very strong I mean I had strong belief going to going to going to Mexico that I would be world champion and that didn't change you know um, even though we didn't get the decision there uh, even in the interview I knew that, that that the opportunity would still be there my goal is still wide open to achieve and that I will achieve it so um, after that happened we chased the rematch didn't get it mm. um, but I kept my head down and I kept training I kept training hard because I knew my opportunity would arise again from what happened there. And lo and behold, it has. So um, I'm ready now to be world champion, and I really do feel like this is the time. Mm. Um, you know, so, uh, yeah, it's, it's just, uh, it's exciting. But, uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm focused, and, um, and I've gone to a whole new level in my training since the Mungia fight. So very excited about all of that. And the, the change in your mindset is that clear in your memory. It was the passing of your grandfather. That's what triggered it definitely in your head. You remember that moment? I remember that moment so well. Yeah, I do. Uh, I, you know, um, yeah, I mean, I think I've told a story a million times, but, um, you know, I, 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 like I said, when you've got that goal to be, to, to do well, and then, and then you go ahead and you have a draw because you've been, 
not doing everything right, you know, and you've been, um, you know, living more of a party lifestyle at that exact time. And then, and then when he passed away, those words just echoed in my head. So give it everything you've got. And now, you know, that, that statement and the portrait of my grandfather is now tattooed onto my stomach, right under my heart. So, um, that's what I've done the last eight or nine years. And, and that's what I continue to do until I hit all the goals that I've set. I've set some big goals in boxing, some big goals in life. And, um, I'm chasing them with everything. I'm very, very passionate about those. Yeah. Just two last quick questions. Clearly, we're starting to get to know you a bit better over here. What's your profile like in Australia? I was reading that a couple of different Australian channels are coming over to New York with you. Yeah, I get great media uh, coverage over in Australia. Um, and I'm very, very thankful and grateful for it. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's um, it's pretty big over there. They, uh, the boxers that make it onto the world scene, and I get brilliant coverage. So, um so it's good. Yeah, it's great. I mean, I couldn't ask for any more, you know, and I'd like to see all fighters, you know, get that sort of coverage yeah. too. So hopefully that's something that, you know, that sparks it. I know certainly um, boxing has risen in um, in Australia the last few years, especially with my teammate Jeff beating Manny and that kind of <coughs> helped. That definitely helped it a lot. And um, and I'd be looking to emulate that as well with another world title and and, and, and keep the focus on the sport, on the, on the sport that gives back so much to, to fighters and, and people in general. Um, and, uh, yeah, it'd be great to keep getting that exposure. Yeah. Where are you living out there, Dennis? Uh, I live in Brisbane. Brisbane. In, uh, in Australia, yeah. 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 One last point I wanted to ask you about, actually. I was reading in one of the pieces about the fight that I know... Last June, you signed up to the Voluntary Anti-Doping Association, and I think as of yet, are you still waiting to be tested? Yeah, I haven't been tested yet. No, right. it's fight week now, so I don't really expect that I will be. I know I will be after the fight. I was told, but I mean, I don't really understand all these things. But yeah. it is what it is. Well, it's interesting. <laughs> you signed up, and I know your opponent uh, was fined for missing a test as recently as last year, and. I guess that is one of the things without throwing suspicions over anyone, but that that must be something that you can't dwell on or think about or let into your mindset as you try to prepare to, to win the fight. Or does it bother you? Is it something is it a cause for concern? No. I've got I've got two two outlooks on this. The first outlook is this. If you have to rely on something like that, then I don't think your heart is fully in it. If you think you're not good enough as you are, then you're relying on something else. And when you get dragged into a dark place how are you going to get out? You've nothing to take. You've nothing to do. So, um, so I know the heart will always be something that you got to take artificially to make yourself good enough. And number two, if I start to again with, with the with the fight. So let's just say let's just say somebody is, and I and I act up about it now, and someone's getting done. Mm. Then I don't get this fight at all. We don't forget this is a, a voluntary defence, not a mandatory. Mm. So if I act up and then then they are, then I don't get this fight. So that means everything else is off, all falls away and the goal of being world champion is now put back maybe, what, uh, a year or a couple of years, yeah. right? But then if they're not, well, then it's all good either way. So yeah. I've got to look at the full spectrum of moving parts here and see what do I really want to do and say. And the thing about it is, again, like I said, uh, I've got to where I am today believing that I'd be world champion. And um, that doesn't change. And I don't look at other outside situations. I just know I will be. So. Okay, well, listen, you've been very good with your time, and I know it's a busy week for you. So, there's Dennis Hogan. You're fighting for a world middleweight title in the Barclays Centre in New York on Saturday. That is the big time. We wish you well. Good luck, Dennis.
You. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. And you. So, uh, Dennis Hogan back in action this weekend against Jamal Charlo. That's Jamal with an A. And he is, um, it's a very, it's a fearsome proposition. We talked about Mungia and giving Dennis every chance uh, after the, off the back of that. We're never going to doubt him again, but this is a real handful. And But qu- what a stage in uh, in Brooklyn, headlining on Showtime. Mm. You know, he's, he's, he's gotten to this point on his own back. And as we said, we're not going to write him off, but this is a tough ask. It's a big ask. Charlo is impressive. Very impressive, very quick. Keeps his hands extremely high. Everything set up off the jab as well. Um, and then loops that right hand, tries to loop. It throws a sort of weird actually the way he throws his right hand, but when it lands it's it's destructive enough. But how can you, like Dennis Hogan, deserves like a chance with anybody now. Do you know what I mean? And he's a phenomenal man, so his self-belief he wouldn't have took this fight if he didn't think he'd win it so no. that alone makes me think he'd win it and we've spoken so much about his coach like the game plan will be spot on if he can execute it he's going to be in with a really big shout Phil how do you think that's going to play well, out Den- when Dennis was saying he promised he'd come back with a world title into the studio so I'm that's expecting big things but I think given the performance against Mungia, and I remember even the, the build up to it we all thought that he was just going to be beaten by the, the stronger boxer but then got his tactics spot on so yeah you, you almost have the same kind of feeling going into this fight but then if Hogan was able to do that against Mungia what's to stop him doing it again this weekend whether he can do enough though if it does go to the cards to get that decision mm. maybe sometimes these things work that you can be on the wrong end of a tight decision that you should have got and then the next time out, get one. You get one, and you know it's meant to be scored round by round. But judges, I'm sure, they cover so many fights that they probably know the backstory. Yeah, that um, Hogan's a bit more well known now after that fight as well, and that definitely counts in terms of judging. Yeah, that he's not the the unknown as he was. That but like then again, even if he was well known, was he ever getting that decision no. in Mexico? Uh, Paulie was saying he thought Dennis won, so like he'd be on on the call this week. So yeah. there'll be if anyone's going to be objective about this, it's Manu Naji. He wasn't afraid to say that if Fury beat Wilder, he wasn't afraid to call it out on Sky Sports either. So not afraid to talk. No, he's no. definitely not afraid to the talk. Magic, the magic man. That can be for sure. So uh, best of luck to Dennis. We're right behind him, and hopefully he can do the business this weekend. Before we go, should look back briefly at last weekend. The clock's against us, but Carl Frampton back after 11 months out and you know he said himself he felt like a retired fighter after the Warrington fight and after what transpired in the last year with the ornament falling on his mm-hmm. hand and all these setbacks legal issues outside the ring just to even get back in there and win was it's a relief and, and look like his hand he obviously still had I think he's broke his hand again but I think it was a phenomenal performance yeah. that's very well body shots were beautiful yeah. mm. really clever phenomenal I know we're stuck for time so that's all I'll say and, oh, it was and, and McCreary on paper it was all wrong for Frampton mm. you know like the, moving up granted it wasn't all the way up to super feather but catch weight and the dimensions looked to be in McCreary's favour and it's always difficult regardless of the level they're fighting at mm. to take someone's undefeated record and he breezed through him like yeah. it was a really and impressive performance like well, McCreary obviously hadn't done the rounds in, in the ring mm. and it's almost as if you think back to the fights that Frampton has lost and it's fighters that put you under 
extreme pressure. Yeah. And that didn't happen. So it was perfect for, for Frampton. He was able to... And also, fighting a bigger man, he was even getting his jab in ahead of him. And mm. once he got that, then... He, like, even the, the last round, Jamie Moore said to him, last round, enjoy it. I thought Jamie Moore... Very impressed with Jamie Moore, yeah. actually, last week. But it, it was that kind of night for him where... It was an he, easy night, though. It's yeah, very easy to call. body punches yeah. and... Yeah, McCreary just... I'd say he, McCreary will learn, have learned a lot from that because he didn't go out and hit, there was one... Was it the I don't seventh? think he went out with the belief that no. he could win it. Was it, even, was it the seventh round, started the seventh round after he got a telling off in his corner, he came out swinging for a bit and, you know, he, yeah, he had a little bit of success but it was almost like a little spurt and then it was over and Frampton got more body shots in but the body shots were very impressive mm. and um, at one stage he landed two hooks. Beautiful, and yeah. two left hooks. So, yeah. Yeah. Great, like, uh, and you know he's going to get a world title shot and he could be a, a, three, isn't yeah, it? a three-weight world champion. which Put him out in his own and yeah. Irish boxing history, it's quite an achievement if he can do it. Looks like it could be Belfast. Um, Herring seems... One of the great guys in boxing, Jamal Herring, he seems well up for coming to Belfast. And if anyone's going to do it, it would be. He him. mentioned it, and Carl said, "Listen, you're the champion. I'll fight you yeah. here." Like, so. Either way, it'd be, it'd be a cracking fight, and we'll uh, we'll preview that if and when it happens. Um, just before we wrap up here, Niall, we know you're going to be back in the springtime. All going well. Anything else in the Celtic Warriors? Spike yeah. is a big fight book. Spike has a massive fight with Mungia in January, and after. Uh, Dennis's performance you'd, you'd have to believe with Spike's power that he could do it but he's training very well his main sparring partner is Craig O'Brien Craig O'Brien will be announcing a massive fight on the you're next, excited for this? yeah on the next gen card in uh, December 19th I think it's the Thursday night card that they do a title fight a 10 round fight um, the opponent it'll be announced during the week yeah. I think and He's flying. Craig O'Brien is really going well. So it's like, yeah, a big a big win for him here. Sort of sets up something for him as well. Like, which would be great because a good guy and a massive story. He's a great yeah. story as well. Like, so hopefully it works out for him. Yeah, people just need a break, and he's finally going to get the platform. And he's been raving about him. He's been sparring Paddy Donovan yeah. and uh, Jason Quigley. So uh, hopefully Craig can get this uh, this big break. Great uh, pleasure to have your company as ever, Niall. Thanks, William Phil, as ever. And thanks to Tom for putting the show together. That's all for this week. Big weekend this week. And uh, we'll be back to recap it on next week's show.